In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hi, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome. So, before we get started, I have one thing that I sort of wanted to throw out there. Um, I have been thinking about, as I've been talking to people about being guests, which, spoiler alert, we may be having guests in the next couple of weeks, which would be kind of fun. Um, as we've been talking about it with other people, the description I've been giving them of the podcast is... Modern Apocrypha is the podcast where we talk about all the truth that's outside the Overton window. Seem good to you? Seem about right? Right. Truth or, or uh, I would say, uh, places for hypothesis as well. I mean, you could have an idea that may end up wrong. It's still worth discussion. Sure. But at the same time, what I don't want to do is, and, and I'm not going to just invite every, anybody and everybody on for the purpose of airing their particular theory or thought exactly, I actually want to keep the quality of what we're discussing up because I, I okay, base case, I don't want people for who are advocating flat earth on here unless they're actively open to me being a hostile interviewer with them because I'm not cool with that. I think that's nonsense. So, Sure, sure. But I do think that there's um, reasonable, unjust, you know, currently unjustified science or unbacked science. Um, I just watched a, a recently uh, uh, another scientist coming forward saying, we've known for years that that's not true. You and I have had a, a discussion about uh, the yep. creation of fossil fuels, and that's a horrible name for them because they may or may not be made of fossils. Uh, but that, well, no, 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 not may or may not. Coal is generally made of organic material. We know that, but oil generally is not. And that's a whole other subject, but it is generally an abiotic product. There are two or three things that are evidence for that. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty obvious. But again, we, you're right. Sure. Uh, apparently there's uh, Titan is a moon or, uh, orbiting Jupiter. Saturn. Okay. And Titan has an ocean of fossil fuel that is larger than all the fossil fuel combined on, on uh, the planet. It's, it's an ocean of methane, yes. Sure. But that's a fossil fuel. That is a fossil fuel. I mean, it is. You're right. And that's a great so, example. That's funny. So I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. You're absolutely right. That's, that's pretty funny, really. Right. And so if it's not on this planet, it's certainly not from fossils. So the... Uh, the, the science is certainly there to discuss, you know, things like that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great to see some guests want to come and talk to us about it. I love um, additional points of view are great. I, I love to run more information through the mill always. Sure. Well, and, and these guys have particular perspectives on things. I did an interview with one guy today for um, 
his podcast and he promised to come on with us. And then I have a booking for hopefully for this Saturday, we'll get to record one with somebody. So that'd be fun. And, you know, we'll go from there. We'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So anyhow, um, I know you had a subject you wanted to dig into today. So let's go ahead and get going with that. Absolutely. Um, we had a recent um, beginning of the year um, event, I guess, happening where um, some event in uh, Florida, United States, uh, where an unusually large police uh, response to a open shopping mall, that's the, the Baytown Market, um, was just set upon by some 50 to 100 police officers um, and just lines of cars. And the uh, official explanation was four teenagers were causing a problem. And I, you know, everybody everywhere could see that you wouldn't have a uh, 25 to one officer to uh, child uh, ratio. So it, it's generally popping up under Miami, Miami mall, but mm -hmm. it is the, the Baytown, uh, and, and just, just to be clear, because I haven't been a hundred percent in the loop on this, were these, were these young people supposed to have guns or something? Well, they were uh, setting off fireworks and the, um, supposition, the, the explanation was that the officers were called to an active shooter because of fireworks. Okay. So, again, very odd, uh, happenings. Right. Um, there, there has been a bit of a uh, timeline to the events, and there's been some um, supposition about uh, shadow creatures or alien creatures um, on site and that uh, being a reason for it. There's been uh, misinformation that airports were shut down and you know other transportation methods in the area were shut down, and that's not factual. Mm -hmm. But uh, to me, it's a, just a wildly interesting um, instance because it's obvious that the news that's there doesn't match the story. I agree with the images don't match the explanation. The explanation doesn't match what you would expect out of reality in the first place. So something about the initial event doesn't seem right. And something about the explanation or the, the, oh gosh, the revelation, because there's an explanation and there's a revelation of that not being correct. And they both have their issues. Okay. So in so, the timeline, yeah, we know that on the first uh, of the year, the event happened, right? Right. Uh, the the fight broke out. The shadow creatures, the aliens arrived. Whatever it was. So on the mm -hmm. first, it happened. It took forty eight hours for some amount of social media to be grabbed hold of and then explode, right? Mm -hmm. So it exploded on the third, not on the day. I actually saw something about it on the day of, but I'm with you. Okay. It certainly exploded across the internet where you couldn't avoid it on the third and the fourth. If you mm -hmm. look at uh, the vast majority of postings, you know, it pops up for you to see. Yeah. Uh, and part of that will be people jumping on the bandwagon and getting their views. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So there'll be some normal social science that would, would play into uh, a psyop if it were a psyop. Um, and honestly, I'm looking and I've watched, um, I've watched too much video of the, uh, the on, on scene and uh, what happened on site. Mm -hmm. I see not four children, but 30 or 40 children. Um, it is a large movement, not a small gang. And it, it appears to me that we're having a, um, a reiteration of the BLM gangs. These are the actual people. Um, BLM was never really well explained. There was a group of rich whiteies somewhere that were accepting everyone's donations, but there were still people on the ground handing out cans to throw at officers. 
Yeah, sure. Of course there were. A real group of people that were uh, causing problems, and I believe they showed up again. The same group that had been going around. The... Well, they're still going around. Though This whole pro-Palestine thing where they're blocking bridges in New York City. I mean, the, the whole thing's still going on. There's, It's just under a different name, yeah. Sure. So those same activists seem to have hit uh, Florida for some reason. And in that process, whether it's because DeSantis is thinking about the presidential run, whether it would be seen as a slap in the face to Republicans that had happened in a Republican state. Sure. I'm not entirely sure why the cover-up aspect of what I, it seems to be. But as far as I can see from the video, it's just BLM riots and the same actors showing up and they're not, and they're uh, hiding it. Yeah. I I'm got not you. sure what, what would be a reason why would Florida care to say the truth that BLM was here and we shut them down. Okay. Hmm. Well, you know, in a situation like this, they're always like four possible explanations. The first one is that, that everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be and exactly what they said it was, and that there was some kind of, um, miscommunication that went on and, and weirdness, but that it generally was what they say it was. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that you've got some kind of underground thing going on that is very human in nature that is like people trying to throw. It's like, I think one of the theories you brought up when we talked about this briefly the other day was that the whole alien Nephilim thing was an excuse to sort of push to the back burner, whatever was actually going on. Like if you had a Senator's kid in there or something, you know, somebody in there who shouldn't have been doing what they were doing and they kind of don't want that to come to light. Then you start throwing, um, weird explanations out there to sidetrack people. Right. So that's a possibility. Um, and, other and interesting yeah. News, yeah, yeah, other interesting news to that people would want you to not pay attention to at the time. Uh, Florida just uh, had a bunch of laws come into effect on the first, um, I think four out of their um, seven district, they, they don't have a mayor. They've got like a couple of people that act as a mayor and a bunch of them stepped down in, re in uh, relation to having to show the books. They had to show their financials. Uh -huh. right? And then, so there's some news in Florida about uh, the political class and their financial uh, that happened exactly at the same time. Sure. Uh, I, I did have that thought to look at what else may have been going on. I suppose, you know, as far as the laws go, there are always laws that go into effect on January 1st. That's a normal thing. Um, right. Unless there was something very specific, which I haven't heard anything about. And I'm, I'm tapped into a lot of these different circles. I haven't heard anything about a weird laws that, that cause problems in Florida. On the other hand, I think, you know, I think the other possibilities like um, maybe there was something going on there that was an attempted something that they wanted to cover up, like, you know, some kind of attempted terrorist thing that they wanted to cover up, or that's a possibility, or maybe there really were some kind of weird paranormal thing going on. I mean, that those are all in the running. And I think to me, the problem with this is that we don't really have any facts. All we have is just suppositions and maybes and this seems weird, which what doesn't seem weird these days. So what was it about this that struck you as being particularly odd? 
the actual response the on the ground i you know i've seen not since oj simpson on the street have i seen so many cops in one place okay so every time they have a mass shooting they do have it's basically in all hands they call everybody so just for example in my little town um there was somebody was supposed to have shot you know discharged a weapon in a residence that wasn't theirs in the past few months and turns out it wasn't that that wasn't what happened somebody broke some glass it was tempered glass breaking and sounded like gunshots and the person when they first talked to the cops said that they had a gun and that and so every cop from within a hundred miles started showing up in my little town we had we had no less than like I swear it was close to a hundred different law enforcement people within a couple of hours in the town. And I was out driving around or I wouldn't have noticed. I, I was actually coming back from doing something and my son and I were in the vehicle and we wound up having to drive through their blockade. And I, I asked one guy, can I go through? He's like, no, I'm like, okay. So I drove around and went down a side street, went through anyway. But the point is, well, the point is, when you do have a situation where there is supposedly an active shooter, you do get an all-hands call from every law enforcement official within a pretty huge radius. So if that were what happened, I could see that being a valid thing. If somebody thought that there was an active shooter and they called cops, and then everybody's dispatched, even if it was just fireworks, that, that actually does seem plausible to me. Sure. Well, and that same instance of rambunctious youth with fireworks has happened at that location for six or seven years in a row. Mm. Right. So the vendors on location are doing interviews after now that they're famous. And yeah, of course. Complaining about often seeing the children and often uh, having the fireworks and they close down their businesses early on the day because they know it's a problem. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is there are these reports of strange creatures and I've seen some of the pictures and footage and it's a little weird. I mean, it could be manufactured. The there's one uh, shot that's like from the upper uh, left side. that looks like a movie wavery thing. And then the same shot from the right side shows three cops walking. So the, the weird on-the-street, um, strange happening shots, those are explained. Mm. The where's all of the different shots of what's happening inside makes me feel like it was more of an activist inside job. Well, either way, I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things where... There's really no good way to know what happened. We can take the official version. We can say maybe there was something weird going on. People who are predisposed to believe that there was something paranormal are going to believe there was something paranormal. People who are predisposed to believe there was some kind of conspiracy are going to believe there was some kind of conspiracy. People who are predisposed to believe that there was something, um, well, that, that everything is normal are going to believe that everything is normal. And we don't really have any facts. We don't have any we can say that things kind of seem hinky and sure that that does seem, it does seem odd. It seems pretty strange for a place where there are always fireworks on that day 
they call in and you get a disproportionate response. It is possible that it was an active shooter call. And so I don't know. Um, you know, it's like the, there are things that are very weird that go on. It's like, you heard that about that house that exploded a while back. What happened with that one? (laughs) Did you hear about it? Not even a word. A house in the Virginia area blew up like not just not just a fuel air bomb blew up like leveled itself in tiny little pieces all over the neighborhood and if there was anybody with i don't think anybody died but if there had been anybody within you know yards of the thing they would have died because it was such a big blast blew up like somebody hit it with a bomb blew up um turns out and and i i am tapped into some interesting uh, <coughs> circles. These people, I don't know whether they actually know anything or whether they're just pretending. I would tend to think they they do have some insight because of who they are. But they're saying things like, yeah, this is actually one of the people who's aligned with a particular power faction getting his house blown up because he was the one who was who knew where the bodies were buried with this particular group. And I, I, I could totally see it. That seems totally reasonable to me. Yeah, I could certainly see it. It seems totally reasonable to me. We're in a very strange time for sure. Um, as I see my, you know, intake of, of uh, media, mm-hmm. I'm occasionally, but not always, seeing these little blue bars that'll show up at the bottom of the screen below the, the uh, media. And they'll say, this is the official policy on climate change. This is the official policy on COVID-19. This is the official policy. That just makes me, like, cringe inside. So it does prep you and prime you to be looking for the conspiracy and looking for the the lie. It does. And, you know, I, I... I actually think that this is a perfect opportunity to talk about a couple of different things, but one of them is sort of the Overton window and what we believe and why we believe it. And now for anyone that may be first time hearing the, the term, cause it's a bit older. I was, yeah, I was going to explain it, but go ahead. Okay. The Overton window is just the set of things that it is acceptable to believe as people as human beings in society. So society has an Overton window and generally up until recently, that Overton window had been sort of determined by the major news organizations. If it's on Fox, it's on CNN, it's on MSNBC, it's on these other things, then it's considered in the Overton window and it's generally accepted as being the default truth that people believe. And then you get outside of that and you go to the the conservative uh, side of things like the Blaze and the Daily Wire and the, you know, uh, what's the one, um, Breitbart and some of these other more conservative sites and they'll have the their own take. And that has been moving into the mainstream. It used to not be considered mainstream, but the Overton window has kind of been opened up to accept that a lot of those right-wing sources are correct. Um, And then the other thing that, well, 
you know, you have these other groups who have their own Overton window. Like as Christians, when we see things that are strange, that are difficult to explain, like the whole hysteria around COVID, we go, well, there's probably a spiritual explanation for a lot of this that 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 many people just 180 switching their belief on something and becoming incredibly dogmatic overnight suggests that there's a spiritual reason for it, that there are spiritual beings that have this agenda and they're pushing people into their uh, side of things. That That particular Overton window isn't acceptable to most people, right? That's like, you say that and people walk away. Well, and here's a real easy one that without just a, a layman's term, easy one for people to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the old rule of thumb that you can't hit your wife with a stick bigger than your thumb, that is an Overton window change. You don't hit your wife these days, right? In this country. In some countries, they can't believe you don't. <laughs> That's true. Right. So there's a real easy, your can't even imagine where the, how that would come about. How, <laughs> how, could, how could we end up here from there? How could that have been? Yeah. Right? When you think that, how could that have been? That's an Overton window shift. That's right. And and then you get the Overton window of people who are like uh, the conspiracy theory people types, right? Where they believe in, well, to a degree, I mean, you get the people who believe that flat earth is actual, that the earth is actually flat. And you can't prove to them otherwise. And I've been up in small airplanes, man. The earth ain't flat. Okay? Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was metaphorical. I didn't know they were, like, literalists. literalists. Oh, no, no, no. There is a significant... Pr- pr- there's a significant portion of the population that actually believes that. And maybe we will have to have one of them on sometime, just because I actually know one I could ask. Um, Do they not believe the people that have been around the world? No, they don't. They believe they're all in on it. I'm not in on it. I've been to other countries. Yeah, but but have you been up high enough to actually see the curvature of the Earth? Yeah. <laughs> and see, they would say that that's just an optical illusion. That unless I say if I go in one direction long enough, I end up in the same place. That's round. That's the definition of round. Greg... I'm with you. I'm telling you, there are people who believe this. And they believe in the Antarctic ice wall that we're not allowed to cross. This is a real thing, and I run into it all the time online. And it's pretty weird. But Pretty weird. Yeah, but but the fact is, it's there. Now, okay. I, yeah, I am, I am willing to... To those guests as well. Well, I'm willing to entertain a discussion about a topic like that, but only with people who are more interested in the truth than they are in their own interpretation, same as I am. If you confront me with something that requires me to change my my worldview, then I'm willing to do that. But there aren't that many things that are around that I haven't considered. There aren't that many things that are around that would require me to seriously shift my worldview. It would take a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty set in my ways. I'm, I'm uh, long in the tooth and with the... Uh, well, I add to my thoughts and I adjust small things. Oh, yeah, exactly. Very much so. Really a lot at this point. Right. Well, and there are things that do adjust my worldview dramatically. It's like 
running into Bitcoin in a serious way a couple of years ago. When that happened, I remember saying like five years ago, four years ago to somebody, yeah, Bitcoin's just going up and down again. It's just going to do that. It's whatever. And then I actually started to look into it and the air on the hair on the back of my neck started standing up for two weeks. And I'm like, Whoa, this is very strange. This is the, I had not, I had not made room for this and now I have, and now I understand it. So there are things that cause me to change my understanding of things, but you have to be, you have to be serious about pursuing truth for me to take you seriously. And if you're not, if you're not willing to change your view on things, if something's going to shift, it ain't going to be me. You know what I'm saying? If, if you're willing to change your view, I'll listen. If not, eh, I, I don't have any time for that. Well, and while I'm securing my my uh, foundations of thought, uh, I'm still listening. I'm, I'm, oh, sure. I, well, I, and there, I, are, there are other things. Like uh, earlier in this episode, we mentioned the abiotic oil thing. I have relatives who are 100% convinced that we have a peak oil problem and that the world's resources are reaching their their limits, their max, and that we are going to be forced to reduce our consumption just purely by uh, supply, lack of supply over the next few decades and starting very soon. And it's such a strange uh, position to be in. Um, if you try to get the, uh, uh, one of the, the big corporate like mentalities for a while was the five whys ask why five times, mm -hmm. right? How did this happen? Why, 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 you know, I should go down and you usually come up to a much better reason as to the, uh, the foundational problem or reason. If yeah. you ask them why they think that, what item are we running short of? Right? Is it electricity? Because electricity doesn't, does not come solely from. It's right? oil. Right, but for what? Oil for what? What are you using the oil for? What are right. They, what are they... Right, and and this is the thing that, that, I don't know, I would love to do an episode just on this, because just on the peak resource problem and why I think it's not, why I think it's not what it's cracked up to be. You know, in, in one sentence, basically God gave us dominion over this world and that fits in every sense of the word from the literal to the metaphorical, which means when it comes to the natural forces that control the world, we're not going to run into things that we can't conquer. He gave us dominion over those things. And that means that when it comes to things like oil, like iron, like copper, like the stuff you pull out of the ground, we may have to change our way of doing things in certain ways to, to fit with what actual supplies exist. But the reality is there is a way to do that. And what we have is a social problem, not a resource problem. Correct. That's my take. And, 
and that we have consistently over time found new ways to get the more of the things that we want or need. When we run out of the easy supplies, we find a way to access the other supplies. And if you look at the total percentage of resources that are available on the surface of the earth, we're nowhere near tapping anything out in any way. They're a little harder to get at some of them, but it's like I was one of the things that I ran into in the Bitcoin space a while back. Um, there are these people who are talking about using tidal energy generation for Bitcoin mining by anchoring these tidal generators to ships. And one of the big problems with tidal generators is that when you anchor them to land, you have to you have to make a provision for hurricanes. When you anchor them to ships, you park the ship on the equator and you've got all the energy generation you could want for whatever because you don't get hurricanes on the equator. And, okay. and the idea is, and actually it's not tidal that they were talking about, it's, it's temperature differential energy generation because if you get down deep underwater, the temperature differential between the surface and the deeps is tremendous and you can generate a lot of energy that way. It's the same as geothermal on land, but it's in the water. And one of the things they were talking about is that there are these people were talking about just, just as an, just as an aside is that in, in pursuing this geothermal energy production, they had run into, um, these little pellets of resources are scattered across the bottom of the ocean. And the big reason that we don't go after them is because we don't have the fuel to make pursuing them um, economical. So if you already have these great big energy generator ships that are scattered across the ocean, generating energy from temperature differential, they were saying it would be interesting to just start using those as a way to access resources that are already there that we're just not going after because the profit margins on them aren't high enough. And they were talking about how much total resources are available there. And it's kind of mind boggling. And that's just one area. Right. So that was my, I'm sitting here shaking my head. I think that we are blind to the incentive that exists to supply and demand the existence of supply and demand is useful. If you have infinite supply, you have zero demand. Right. Right. So one of the ways the world goes around, um, for example, the, the uh, petrodollar, right? If we were using uh, nuclear power and a million other power sources, how useful is a petrodollar? It's not an energy dollar. It's a petrodollar. Right. So, so it, it, one of the, the backing, one of the reasons to uh, not uh, diversify your energy portfolio would be to strengthen the, the dollar, mm -hmm. right? So the, so the whole entire incentives structure of mm -hmm. supply demand is is the, the spirit that we're butting heads against. It's not that we are running out of supplies, right? Yeah. It's that we're trying to maintain a balance of supply and demand so that we don't lose the system of supply and demand more so than we're running out of gold or we're running out of silver or we're running out of gas. Or And we also have a problem with people being mad at each other and, and going to war and 
fighting each other because they want the power and really and go the other way and go the other way you get up in the morning and you feel like you've got something that you need to do and you get paid and there's a process to that mm-hmm. what happens if you don't have anything to show for it right you don't you do you're doing everything right but the thing that you're doing right will manifest in 120 years right wonderful for them right so it, yeah it, it keeps you it keeps pulling you along or pushing you along it, it creates a it creates a usefulness vector for human beings that's physical in front or at least uh, uh, symbolic yeah. in I'm, I'm with you I understand right? hey so it gives something to give you something to hold something to represent in the moment to, to push you yeah so that if you if you needed a reason because most people need a reason myself included sure you don't get up and start moving in the morning with no reason sure hey you want so, to take a quick break i could get a coffee all right we'll be back in a minute back in a minute Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by Brightstar, the forthcoming book by me, Jared Michaud, due to hit shelves April of 2024. For pre-release copies, head over to e6universe.com. Use the promo code ISRAEL for 10% off with your order. Modern Apocrypha is made possible by North Arrow Coffee. It's the pro-life coffee company where 15% of every sale goes to a pro-life cause. And it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company. Everybody I know who I have uh, given North Arrow coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful, and they're not a company that hates you. So if you're interested, head over to northarrowcoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order. And we're back. Hello, everyone. So, we were talking about what to what to talk about in the second half here, and you know, it, it was reminding me of what I was talking about about my my relatives who believe that there's um, basically that we're going to hit a resource shortage, and every time what I would say about this is not something that is, that is unique to those people, but is pretty much general for most of the people I talk to. And it goes something like this. What we focus on and what we think defines our worldview, the things that we think of as fact As human beings, we have a tendency to get emotionally attached to specific ideas, whether it's an idea, and and this is all of us, and this is partly why we're so easy to manipulate by spiritual beings and why we fool ourselves into believing things that aren't true. It's why so many people were blind going into COVID, and it's why so many people can't see the crazy monetary reset that's coming our way, you know? It's like... We get emotionally attached 
to a set of ideas or a way of being in a way that isn't healthy, in a way that is more than is justified by what's in front of us. And the only way I know to avoid that is to sort of hold your beliefs loosely about everything except the things that matter most. And what I mean by that is, I believe in God. There is, there is nothing you can do, nothing you can confront me with, nothing you can show me that will convince me otherwise. I believe it not because of a specific thing or because somebody told me, but because throughout my life, consistently, I have been shown by the circumstances I'm in, by the world around me, by everything that goes on, that that is something that that, that God is real and that that's something that I need to hold on to and that that is actually the most important thing for me to hold on to. And you know what the gospel is, right? I mean, do you know? Can you? And I actually might have had trouble at, before, uh, what, a couple of days ago, I listened to a book by Michael Heiser. It's called What God Wants. I think I recommended it to you. It is and before I read that, I might have had to think before I actually stated what the gospel is. But, but let me just say it. The gospel is, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. The gospel is that whoever believes in Jesus will have everlasting life as a free gift from God. That there is no, there is nothing you can do to fail, to fall short, to, to forfeit, to whatever. You, you don't get to do that. It's like Paul says, neither height nor depth nor powers nor principalities, angels, demons, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what that means is, if we believe in Jesus, nothing can separate us from God. That that belief is the gospel. Believing in Jesus is the gospel. And I choose that. I choose that before anything else. And that's what stabilizes me. That's what I operate out of. I see everything from that perspective. That's where I stand. And since I have done that, I have come to see everything else, including science, including the world around me, everything more clearly. I've seen how it all fits together. I've seen how, how and why people do what they do with more clarity and more usefulness in explaining external circumstances than I had in any other when I was in any other context or when I considered any other thing, when I, when I look at things through that lens, it gives me more useful explanatory power, but that's not why I believe it. I believe it because I choose to believe it. And out of that, when we run into other things like how much resources there are that are available in the world, I go back to 
my conception of how God made us, of the, the base principles of how is it that we are made and that we interact with the world? And I go, what was our prime directive? Our prime directive was to fill the world and to subdue it and to have dominion over it. And in that sense, I go, you know, and and then I look at the, the Tower of Babel where God said, if they're of one language and of one accord, nothing they choose to do will be denied to them, essentially. And so I go, you know, the Bible tells me that it isn't going to be a resource shortage or a whatever that stops us. It's going to be a social problem because that's what it's that's what it was back then. And that's what it'll be again, because human character doesn't really change and it won't until we are all glorified with Christ. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you say that, because I totally believe that to be true, that we do not change exactly. We can change the way we look, right? The, uh, sure. We said that before that evolution was a, a commandeered word for a while, and it, it did say for a while that genetics changed, and we were something different when we became human, and that's not backed up anywhere. And since the, the definition of evolution has changed, evolution by natural selection. Uh, sure, sure. Well, you so, can. I've actually always by... been a little uncomfortable with your use of the word because, frankly, the word evolution means changing from one set of genetic material to a new, freshly created set of genetic material. That's what it means. Where what sure, we're talking sure. about, what well, what we're talking about is genetic selection, where within the genes that already exist, we can we can hone in on a specific set of them that all with information that's already there. It's like in dogs and cats that are very different from lions and jackals and wolves, right? It's like, yeah, they were, they were moved into a very specific set of genetic information, but that isn't evolution. Nobody has ever called it evolution until very recently to be confusing. That's not what it's ever been called. Well, and Something about having a good set worldview helps you pick out when someone's just flipping the meaning a little bit to, to uh, manipulate. Right, it does. So it's interesting that you say that the gospel is something so simple as a scientifically proven fact. I mean, we know Jesus was, was real. Oh, no, no, a, no, no. The gospel is that you believe in him. But it's not, it's not something to not believe he's he exists it's like yeah but 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 greg and and this is this is the beauty of what god has given us you're right it is true it is true and it is all of the evidence points toward it all of the all of the textual evidence all of the the witness evidence all of the everything points to that account being true you can actually look into it it's the what is it uh um, I can't remember the name of the one, but but there's a, a movie that was based on a book, uh, something along the lines of, of, well, the one that's coming to mind is More Than a Carpenter, but that's not right. That's a newer one. Um, what I'm thinking of is an older one, The Case for Christ. The Case for Christ. That's the the Case for Christ. That's the one I'm thinking of. And, and it goes through how all of the evidence points to that being true. But see, here's the thing. Most people still don't believe it. 
most people oh. in the world still okay. don't believe it. And, and it's because human beings have a right to believe whatever we choose to believe. God does not force us to believe the truth. We have a right to believe whatever we choose to believe. And even if you were to confront them with all the evidence, they would choose not to believe it, most of them, because it gives them leave to be their own God, to be their own boss. It, it doesn't matter what the evidence says, most of them won't believe it. And so the fact that the gospel is so simple is a huge gift because it means that we can die wrong. We can be wrong about the craziest, most important things in the world and God will still save us. We just have to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that God had the will and the power to raise him from the dead. And then we will be saved. It's that simple. And as you say, all of the evidence points toward it being true. But it doesn't matter because most people don't believe it. Well, it's interesting that we could say that most people don't believe it. But I think that since the declaration that God was dead and the preceding 200 years of, of scientific uh, literature, a lot of most famous papers begin with the we can't allow for God. So, right. Law. No, that's true. And, and that's exactly an illustration of what I'm talking about. So the, the modern generation just doesn't realize that they're saying we, we're specifically not taking the obvious. Well, the modern generation is the same as every other generation in that people, when given a choice between going God's way and going their own way, they will choose to go their own way. And what God says is, you know, they'll choose not to go his way. Adam and Eve did it. They were, they were without sin until they sinned. They were, they were not perfect, but they were made in a good way. They were made in a sinless fashion, and then they sinned, and sin entered the world. And why and, do you think that they weren't perfect? Huh? Why do you think that they weren't perfect? If I would take if, from the line that they walked with God, that they were saying they were good. They were. They were okay. There's a difference between. There's a difference between being naive and innocent and being perfect. There's a difference between being untried and being perfected. They were untried. They were made in a way that was good. They did not have a sin nature built into them. That's true. But they had the option to sin and they chose to sin and that proves that they weren't perfect. You know, do you mind me going back to what I was saying real quick? Because I didn't actually get to finish the thought. So, we each need to know what we believe, what we choose to take on faith. All of us choose to take something on faith. Whether it's, I choose to take on faith that I'm not a raving lunatic somewhere, drugged to the gills, imagining this that's going on around me, or I choose to believe that God is real. And out of that flows the fact that if, that if he's real and he actually cares about me, if I were a raving lunatic somewhere, he would, 
he would help me to improve to the point where I could make the choices I need to make, right? It's like, we all choose to believe something. That's the point. And we need to know what we're choosing to have faith in. And when we start putting faith in things that are outside of those things that we hold to be core, that's a real problem. And most of us do it at some level. It's like, I would say almost everybody or everybody does it at some level, whether that's the people who would rather believe that the world is as simple as it's made out to be, that the spiritual realm doesn't really exist, that the physical's all there is, and these two political parties really are the two opposite sides of the the board, and that's the only fight going on, and... They're having faith in a set of ideas that they've put their emotional energy into believing. They've, they've invested in them emotionally. And when you invest emotionally in a set of ideas, you put yourself in a bad position unless you know you've done it. And if you know you've done it, that's your choice. You have that right as a human being. But be sure that you've invested emotionally in the ideas that that you know you have. And so when you're confronted with something, like with with the particular relative I was talking about, if I were to give him evidence of abiotic oil creation in a lab in conditions that mimic what we understand to be underground conditions, deep underground, he would reject that evidence because he is emotionally invested in this idea. I know because I've tried. Okay. And that's okay. I love him anyway. We don't have to get stuck on that. We can disagree. We're both going to die wrong about things that matter a lot more than that. And we're going to love each other. And we are going to be brothers before Christ. And the things where I've got wrong, I will know better. And the things that he gets wrong, he'll know better because we'll, you know, we'll get it right at that point. But, but the point is, if you want to have a solid view of the world, don't emotionally invest in ideas that could turn out to be, that could turn out to be wrong. Instead, hold them loosely, hold them loosely and hold them with a known a known relationship to the core of what you believe. And I guess what I'm telling people to do here is to construct your own worldview. Do the work. Actually go out, decide what it is you believe, and then build from there into something that's coherent and reasonable and rational. And hold loosely the other things that you run into so that it doesn't poison your your ability to see things clearly. Hold the truth as being more important than your own ideas. I think that's a pretty good statement. Hold the truth above your own ideas. Um, yeah. Your ideas, your ideas you think are built of truths. Hold right. the truth above your ideas so that you can refine your, your ideas. Right. And when you find things that disagree with your ideas, do especially from people you trust, do the work to make sure that that what you believe is still still holds up because 
when I was confronted with this idea of resource shortage, I did some serious soul searching. I trust this person. I value his opinion very highly. And I, I genuinely wanted to do justice to his view of things because, because I value him so highly. And so I, I did some soul searching. I got in front of God. I got evidence and I started looking. And what, you know, the position I'm in today is one of, I have examined this and these are the reasons that I find it to be lacking on a, on a principle level. And I kind of went over those with the Bible as to what God said we could accomplish if we were left to our own devices and had one language. That's one of the big things. And then, you know, just, just on a principle level, why I think that's not true. And then going down the list on a factual level, what I think contradicts that those ideas, I, I actually went and explored some of that and looked to see what would really be required to deal with some of those objections. And I did, I, I spent a lot of hours doing that. And it wasn't because it was because I take the ideas of the people around me really seriously and I give them due consideration. Even if I have already examined them, I'll go back and re-examine, you know? I'm always searching for truths. <clears throat> I'll search for truth even if 99% uh, of the, the block is incorrect. If there's a 1% truth in it, I'll try to pull that 1% out and store it. Yeah. yeah it does, I'm always looking for the truth in, uh, well, in the universe, for sure. It's uh, okay for me to take in somebody who's wrong. It's whenever it becomes the headbutting, I'm right. Whenever someone is, you know, yeah. forcing forcing an opinion, forcing a standard because it's a standard because yeah, they're invested, and then it becomes forcing me into a, a falsehood. I, I'm not going to accept being forced into a falsehood. No, and, and when people can't respect your opinion and agree to disagree, which is with this particular person, I do that on a semi-regular basis because he and I have a different view of things, but we're still brothers and we love each other. And when we can do that, then it's okay. And when we can't, then we have a problem. Well, our biggest problem is Cain and Abel, always just... Uh... Strife among those of us that are closest to each other. That that seems to be our biggest disconnect. You know, it's it's the case of God put us in this world and we are in relationship because of it. And it's like that scene in The Great Divorce from C.S. Lewis. The, the hell is the infinite city where we all move further and further apart from each other more and more because we don't like each other. And that is hell. We decide to get out of relationship and heaven's kind of the opposite. Sure. It's an interesting word relationship. Um, that was a, a concept that I've been rattling around, uh, to, to discuss, mm -hmm. uh, a relationship has a mathematical term as well. You know, uh, X squared equals uh, Y. That's yeah. a relationship, right? A relationship. Sure. Of X and y. Um, so relationships, can be literally like the earth's relationship to the sun is a position on a rotation on you know elliptical curves relationships the word relationship mm -hmm. is broader than people click to true 
Usually the way people use it is in regard to human relationship, but yes, it's broader than people really get. But but, but either way, you know, it's language. We use shorthand. It is uh, shorthand in some way, but it's also the same thing. Uh Oh, yeah, it is. The relationship you've got with someone, you're both moving, but you're moving. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it is really one of those um, uh, keywords that is lost in... uh, in uh, deep thought because it's so often used. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a real deep, uh, deep dive into the relationships between people and objects in math and right the, the sure. space between how one moves compared to another. I mean, that, that concept is so broad and we just flick it off like it's just another word. Sure. It seems like a, a real uh, focus, focal point for me hearing that uh, relationship um, in that uh, descriptor, right? Because it's going to, it's going to change over time and it's going to um, be a, a square root of a square of, right? Another uh, input. Am I making any sense? You are. I, I got to admit, I was, I was looking for a way to just sort of disregard what you were saying as a joke that you just made about people disregarding the importance of the, but, but I, I kind of lost it anyway. Yes. No, you made perfect sense. And I, I tend to agree. It's an interesting bit. <laughs> um, what more do you want to say here before we call it? I just want to uh, throw out a, a, a topic discussion for later for uh, cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Well, definitely. Mm-hmm. It definitely fits in this discussion, doesn't it? Where, uh, something doesn't match with the beliefs that you have and that you've emotionally invested yourself in, and that creates a cognitive dissonance. I don't experience it very much. I don't know that I would if... I don't know that I would recognize it in myself. No one tells me I am, but I don't talk to that many people, so... Well, fair enough. Well, along those lines, I guess all I have to say at this point is just thank you everybody for being here. And we've got a couple of guests coming in to talk about the truth that they hold dear that is as far outside the Overton window as they can find. And people people whose opinions I find to be valuable on things. So looking forward to that. Sounds like a lot of fun. All right. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Have a good day.